Welcome to Your Highness Podcast, a show where we get comfortable with the uncomfortable, uncover areas of cannabis where accessibility and inclusiveness are lacking, and elevate conversations about ways to affect real change in this space. You're listening to Your Highness Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Crash, and today I am joined by Dr. Felicia Dawson, cannabis advocate, educator, consultant, holistic gynecologist, and functional medicine practitioner. Is, is that about it? I know you have more to add to this, right, Dr. Dawson? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> um. So today we are going to be discussing trauma and how it intersects with sexual health. This episode is different from our usual episodes, so we won't be doing our recurring segment that we normally do. And I should warn you that the content will mention sexual health, sexual trauma, and uh, sexual violence. So um, now... Dr. Felicia, as you know, sexual health is impacted by trauma and PTSD in a multitude of ways. Um, How are some ways trauma impacts sexual health that may not seem obvious? Well, the truth of the matter is, for decades, there's been research in the obstetrical gynecological uh, field that saw a relationship between domestic violence and sexual trauma and that women who, you know, have been exposed to that tend to have more obstetric and gynecologic complications, diseases, disorders, complications like chronic pelvic pain, like infertility, like, you know, pregnancy-induced hypertension. Uh, I mean, everything can impact your female health um, if you have been a victim of sexual trauma or domestic violence. Right, or even if it's not sexual trauma, right? Because even having experienced childhood trauma increases your likelihood of all of those things already, right? I mean, like, I have chronic pelvic pain and endometriosis and from everything I've ever read trauma has something to do with that even if it wasn't sexual assault or sexual trauma true Um, true. especially if it's involving your immediate family mm -hmm. Um, when you talk about mind body medicine I know in a lot of eastern traditions they look at the body and spirit as one and we have these seven energy centers in our body called chakras and the pelvis uh, correlates to the second chakra, and that tends to be about creativity and, and, and sex and relationships and jobs. So if you're having an issue in any of those areas, it will tend to affect the health, the physical health of that part of the body, actually. Wow. Do you Did you used to incorporate that in your practice, the chakra? Yeah, I, I because being a holistic gynecologist and, and and knowing the relationship between mind and body, you know, whenever someone will come in with a you know 
a challenge in gynecology or obstetrics, you know, I will tend to say, when did this start happening? And oftentimes it will be tied to an event that has happened in this person's life that they, you know, may or may not have gotten over, um, something in their childhood that they're not thinking about, that they just kind of pushed under the rug and it tends to manifest, um, especially when they become pregnant and sometimes um, when they're getting married are two, two big times that I see unresolved emotional issues uh, bubble up. Wow. So when I, when I get people to start looking at that, um, that they, is so they interesting. tend to have some breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the major glaring differences between holistic gynecology and non-holistic, right? Because I yeah. have never had that happen in my life, had a, a gynecologist ask me about anything that happened or even care if I had to explain <laughs> any situation. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, that's, so that, so we can take a common thing like vaginitis, recurrent vaginitis, recurrent bacterial vaginosis. You know, typically as a conventionally trained physician, you would just give someone an antibiotic or cream or whatever and send them on their way. But if, you know, someone's coming back constantly with the same thing is we have to, you know, from a functional medicine, holistic standpoint, you're going to say, well, what is making this person vulnerable to this infection? What's going on with them? And so I, you know, tend to look at everything from your diet to your emotional, social relationships, you know, what's happened to you in your lifetime. And it, and it, 95% of the time, it always ties back to something that happened to this person or is happening to this person. You know, it's like the, it's like your body is the last thing that the universe can use to get your attention that something's wrong or you need to change how you are looking at something or you need to change something that you're doing. Um, the body is the most dense thing that will get your attention. So That's absolutely right. I mean, I, I can speak to that from experience. Um, so in that vein, for some sexual trauma survivors, a gynecological visit can be horrific, mm-hmm. especially if the practitioner isn't mindful of trauma-informed care. Do you have any advice for survivors of sexual trauma when it comes to seeking a new gynecologist? Well, I, you know, there are sensitive gentlemen or male <laughs> gynecologists um, so I'm not going to throw all men or uh, male gynecologists under the bus, but, you know, oftentimes a female uh, gynecologist may have more empathy um, and um, compassion as, because they are walking in your shoes somewhat. You know, they have some of similar experiences, but that's not always true. But, you know, I would say, um, you know, maybe look at female uh, providers and check with your friends to get recommendations on who has good bedside manner. That's, you know, pretty important. And another thing I would say is maybe shoot for someone in a smaller practice versus a large corporate practice. Um, A lot of times in these bigger practices, especially if they're owned by a university system or something like that, a lot of times um, their practitioners physicians and nurse practitioners and and PAs, everybody, they have them so tightly scheduled that they don't have time to do that deeper dive into what could be causing your problem. It's it's more like a get get you in, get you out kind of thing. So that would be another thing I would say. And lastly, I would say, you know, don't be afraid to interview. 
um, the person, you know, get your recommendations and go in as a new GYN patient. And you're, you know, you're going to pay your copay or whatever you're going to do like you normally would. But instead of being examined, you're just there to have a discussion to see, is this a good fit for me? Do I like how this person's handling themselves as I ask these questions? What, what are their priorities? You know, that that's another way to find the person that's, that's right for you. I love that idea. I So you can just schedule a regular appointment and say, I want to ask questions and not have an exam? Yes, you you can. Wow, you I never thought about doing that. That is such a mm-hmm. good idea. I, yeah, when I was when I was um, still practicing, occasionally someone would come in um, as an OB patient, more so than a GYN, because you know OB is a little bit more. You're going to see them much more often, and you know a lot of times you know women have certain expectations of how they want their pregnancy to go, how they want their delivery to be handled, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, yeah, from time to time, I would get people who will come in just to interview me. And it would be just like a new a new visit, but you know nobody's getting undressed. We're just we're just talking. <laughs> that is really great advice. I mean, truly, because the last one I went to, she laughed at me when I told her what another doctor said. So, I I, I have the worst luck when it comes to that uh, specialty. <laughs> but anyway, it is it's it's I think it's difficult to navigate because uh, it's not so much about gender for me because I've had you know, male doctors who were more sensitive and mindful mm-hmm. than uh, women. But mm-hmm. I think, I wish that there was a way to find out, or maybe you can help with this. Is there trauma-informed um, continuing education, continuing education that people can find out their doctor has completed? Or can we, can they ask, you know, what, what would they ask? They can, They well, that's, a, that's if you just want to ask that question, you can have the front desk, you know, you know, say I'm a new patient and I just want to know if the doctor has had any formal trauma training since medical school. And I would, and, and I would say that, you know, it's probably going to be less than 5%. Right. <laughs> I can't, I can't say that I've had any trauma training. Any, anything I've learned about trauma is from my own reading, um, my own continuing medical education, you know, things that um, intrigue me. Um, I, you know, I, I t- tend to want to explore why people do what they do because my first my first love was going to be actually psychiatry because I'm always intrigued of intrigued about why do people do what they do and but you know being an African-American woman and knowing how much stigma is around psychiatry and therapy and all that I said I'll probably starve to death so I said well let me try uh OBGYN because that's that's a nice happy uh specialty and you know people are primarily healthy more or less and people are happy to get their babies. So it's a, you know, a good mix of medicine and surgery. However, as it turned out, uh, I spent half of my time in my practice just listening to people. It was, it was like they just needed somebody to talk to. So that is part of the reason why I guess my my uh, business model did not work very well. Because <laughs> it's like, to to make it in this in in medicine today, you have you have to get people in and, and get them out, or charge a large amount of money, uh, so you can spend a lot more time with them. So it, it it just wasn't working. But at any rate, yeah, I I I spent half my time just listening. So I got to really I really got to be a psychiatrist, even if I wasn't trying to. Right. Uh, so I you know and and it was it's always very gratifying. I mean I for it's such an honor. Because your health is such a private, intimate thing, and it's such an honor that 
for someone to trust you yeah. with that and to, to feel safe with you that they can open up. And, you know, many, many tears have been shed in my office. Um, people say, I don't know why I'm telling you this. Right. Thank you for listening to me, blah, blah, blah. You know, so it's, uh, I'm, I'm honored to, that people felt safe enough to share and open up with me. And because it is a very emotional thing when you're in that office, right? And um, to that point, psychologist Gabrielle Frackman recently wrote an essay in Women's Health about how being a sexual assault survivor complicated infertility treatments for her. Um, in, in the essay, Frackman makes the case for trauma-informed care in fertility clinics. Can you speak to this from your professional experience? Well, as a bread and butter uh, OBGYN who happened to be into holistic medicine, functional medicine, mm-hmm. I would do a very um, brief infertility workup. You know, we would, you know, I, I didn't do outside of the pelvic exam, which is an extremely invasive procedure. Um, that was probably the only thing I did besides ordering things like a semen analysis or a hysterosalpingogram, which is a, a test to see if the tubes are open, which is also very invasive, where, you know, some type of dye is um, entered into the vagina, into the uterus, and pushed to see if it goes out your tubes and to see if your tubes are open. Um, it, it can be very traumatic, and you can a, a, a physician who's actually paying attention can tell when someone has fear, if they, you know, they haven't already told you in their history, when you get to the pelvic exam and they're having a lot of discomfort or they're clenching up their muscles, those kind of things, you can, you can tell that there's something else going on there. And that's when you have to back, back, back up and say, tell me about this. What's, what's going on? So I, in terms of infertility workups, the only thing, the main things, in my opinion, that are invasive are the pelvic exam and the hysterosalpingogram. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime you're, you know, tr- trying to do something with a woman like that, it's, it's, you have to be very, very cautious. And I'm so old school that I actually trained on metal speculums. And I used to keep them on a, a heating pad in my drawers of my exam tables to, to, to keep them warm. But I, I'm such a bigger fan of metal speculums because they have screws on them, which allow you to open them up um, with such small um, degrees or, or um, you don't just have these three or four large, loud clicks. I mean, I find having a plastic speculum open up in me frightening sometimes. And even right. though I've had a full-term baby, I, you know, pelvic exams are still extremely uncomfortable oh, yeah. uh, to me. And, you know, I, I, I wish... I, I wish more people were trained on metal speculums and, and could use them because they're so much smaller, take up less space than plastic speculums, um, which don't give you much control over how, how wide you can open them and, and the speed with which you open them. They're just not the best thing in, in the world as far as, as far as I'm concerned. Right. And I would think even aside from the physical examination and all of that, like the physical aspect of it, of course, it's not really feasible with today's broken healthcare system. And as you were just talking about, you need to have a certain business model to make any money as a doctor, especially as a gynecologist, especially as an OBGYN, because you have like a ton more insurance and liability and stuff like that that you have to deal with, right? But 
it would be fantastic if there was someone, if there was a therapist or someone in, in the room or in in the office, I should say, not in the room, but someone available to address the other things that can occur when you're going through fertility treatments or pregnancy that have to do with like familial trauma and things like that, you know? Because I, I know it brought up a lot of stuff for me when I was pregnant because I didn't expect to be. And it was like, whoa, you know, a lot of things I hadn't processed yet. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm sure you probably saw that, too. I mean, people getting very emotional in your office and things that you were just talking about that. Like, it, it could bring up a lot. And I wasn't prepared for it. I mean, I'm still <laughs> I'm still unraveling a lot of that stuff because it, it's a lot to unpack. And, and the emotional waves are... um something that you cannot prepare for, right? Like the hormones, <laughs> they uh-huh. really make you um, a lot more emotional and a lot, I would say just it's a lot un, a lot more difficult to deal with those types of um, things when they come up. But anyway. And I, and I you know, oftentimes say it's, it's not so much what happens to us, but how we heal from it, you know, because we can heal from pretty much anything. Um, but it, it, you, you have to, deal with it or either make a choice of starting today I will move forward and let and drop this load I'm carrying um you know sometimes some people do better with you know psychotherapy and reliving everything and, and other people start from where they are and and move forward so it, you know everybody's different but I I am a big fan of making a referral to yeah. a therapist uh because I, you know I, I I had too many patients in my practice during the latter years of my practice who were on antidepressants, um, anxiolytics, um, and I'm like, why are you on this? Mm-hmm. And I've got I've got ADD, I've got depression. I said, okay, so did a psychiatrist give this to you? No, my primary care physician gave it to me. I'm like, uh, okay, yep. You you still need to talk to somebody because. <laughs> You know that you know just getting a, a pharmaceutical is like putting um, duct tape over your um, dashboard. You 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 don't see that you're about to run out of gas until you're out of gas, and you know you you need your you have feelings for a reason. You know uh, you know you have thoughts for a reason. And you need to investigate them and not just put a drug. You know make you know just deaden yourself too. What's what your body's trying to tell you? What your spirit, your soul is trying to tell you. I love hearing that from you. Like it means a lot to hear that from you seriously because of your background and what you do and the fact that you have treated so many people over the years because I the only thing I've ever been told from a gynecologist perspective is that it's in my head like I'm making it up. Not what else is going on in your head <laughs> or in your past or in your life that could be creating this? It's never been that question. And I think that's so revolutionary and yet it shouldn't be to mm-hmm. have that approach. Like what, you know, starting from that point instead of, well, let's take, let's take away some of these pharmaceuticals and add more or, you know, it's never, it's never like, let's just go from the root of it. Right. Like, no, I shouldn't say never. It's, it's it is when you have someone like you, but it's hard to find that. Mm-hmm. And and I and I'm I'm not against you know all pharmaceuticals. Sometimes you need something to help you to help you get out of bed so you can go to the therapist. You know, yeah, whatever works for you. I, I'm mm-hmm. saying, and I'm and I'm not even I'm not anti pharmaceutical because 
you know, I should probably be on it <laughs> on some myself right now, but um, we all, we all do what we have to do. Right. That's, mm-hmm. that's not really, I, I'm talking more about like, especially when it's pain, you know, because I was treated as drug seeking so often. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that that just shut down the conversation. Right. It was just, oh, you just want to find something for your pain. Mm-hmm. That, that was it a lot of the times. And so I got to the point where I just stopped going regularly because, and, and I took matters into my own hands, which a lot of, a lot of women do, um, especially now because we have so much more information available to us because of people like you. And so it, it is more accessible now to have like your own holistic regimen kind of in your own hands, right? Kind of your DIY version, uh, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. That's what I do. That's how I, you know, manage my health right now until I can find someone like you <laughs> as a practitioner. Yeah, and I, I, I like to say that the, the patient is the smartest doctor in the room. So you really need to listen to the patient. Oh, <laughs> they are the smart. They that. know. They know best. I really. love that. I, that is so great to hear you say that because honestly, I really don't feel like a lot of doctors feel that way or <laughs> operate that way anymore. And I understand it. It's overwhelming, especially now post COVID, pre COVID, post COVID, whatever we're in right now. COVID mm-hmm. <laughs> has made everything a lot worse, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, our, you know, if, if you think patients are sick of our healthcare system or quote unquote healthcare system, right? The, the providers are even uh, many of them are very sick of it. I mean, yeah. there uh, there's, there was incredible burnout before the pandemic, so it's like on steroids now. Right. Yeah, I'm seeing it. I feel like now going into the doctors is more like a fast food experience, and I, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. it's, it's I, I, there's. Why wouldn't it be, right? I mean, anyway. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, with the electronic medical records, because now that I've finished my practice um, and when I go to the doctor, I'm, it's three out of four physicians will, will be typing the information into the computer and giving me zero eye contact. And most of the time they know I'm a physician. So I'm like, wow, it's like. I'm I'm a physician, so what do regular regular yeah. people get? And you know, and that's part of the reason why I I, I would surrender half some some of my own salary just to hire someone to put that information in for me, so that I can focus on the patient and just take notes with my with my pen and pad and give them as much eye contact as I can because it's the way that medicine is set up today is so corporate and um not it's all about profits over people. It's really horrible yeah it's so broken it's beyond broken i I mean it has been for a long time but it's so much worse now Mm -hmm. um so going back to this topic in your professional opinion how can plant medicine help trauma survivors improve their sexual health well i think plants for number one and most importantly they have a much wider safety profile than pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals have a very very narrow safety profile, so you can get in trouble with a pharmaceutical a lot quicker than you can with a plant. But at, at the same time, just like medicine has to be respected, plants has, have to be respected too, because you know they there are some that are poisonous and you need to know what you're doing or at least work with someone like an herbalist who knows what they're doing so that you don't you know harm harm yourself. But Plant medicine, I think, is is much more gentle, and you can have your energy changed 
by the plant because it's a living thing versus a pharmaceutical we create it in a lab. So I think it's a, a much more gentle way to heal. Um, many plants can help, you know, with anxiety, depression. Um, if you're talking about PTSD, uh, cannabis is like one of the best things for it. If it's a, you know, CBD dominant um, strain, but um, plants are much more gentle, much safer yes. in general. I... And, and, and just one other thing about pharmaceuticals, before pharmaceuticals are brought to market, they're only tested for a year or two um, in very stringent, um, predictable, predictable manners versus what how it acts in a laboratory versus in people living their lives is, is another story. And some, some complications don't show up until two, three, four years down the road. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, that's the thing. And plants have been with us, you know, for thousands of years and unlike pharmaceuticals. Right. I, I was on a hormone therapy many, many, many years ago, which I'm sure you're familiar with. That's given to many people who have endometriosis and it, did a lot of things. It caused a lot of problems. And I've had doctors uh, suggest that it could have caused or at least, you know, brought on my Crohn's disease a lot sooner. Um, and so, you know, and thinking about what you're talking about gentler, like just thinking about my endometriosis and what I've been recommended by, <laughs> you know, standard gynecologists of like muscle relaxers, and 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 how ineffective they were in comparison to the topicals that I use now, um, the types of um, what's what am I looking for? Like just the aids that you can use for sexual health. I'm I'm, I'm looking for the term and I'm not coming up with the right term here. What's the one that you use? <laughs> it's an oil, right? And I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with it. Yeah, I don't I'm like er, er, er. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and and there's some fantastic ones out there now. And I mean, and there are ones that like there are oils that you can use that not just for lubricants that help relax your muscles and help with pain in ways that muscle relaxers never did or over mm -hmm. the or uh, prescription pain relievers never did. And so, like, for me, I think it's a lot, it's a lot more approachable and accessible because going to a doctor that you don't really know and saying, like, I need, I need this to, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to do. <laughs> right. Um, it's like, even just having that conversation is awkward. And I feel like plant medicine is making it a lot more accessible for people who don't know how to put it into words. Yes. You know, I agree. People like me. <laughs> but anyway, um, I I really appreciate you coming to talk about this, and I would love to have you come back to the A side of the podcast later this season to talk about some other topics that are health related. Um, and I just appreciate you <laughs> being out there in the world and educating people and making this type of uh, healthcare accessible in some type of way. Well, you're very welcome. It's, it's been my pleasure. Um, the, my favorite, most favorite thing in life is learning. Um, wherever I can find learning, be it from other people or books or just life. Um, but my second joy is teaching. So um, I, my main thing is to show people how much power, you know, they have over their health yeah. and that anything can change. Um, anything can be healed. It's just a matter of trusting yourself and 
surrendering to life. Well, thank you again. Until next time, stay high and beautiful. Bye. <laughs> thank you. You do the same. So now we'll talk about how chakras intersect with trauma. And because I know nothing about chakras other than that they exist and what they kind of look like, and I have a general idea, but I have no, <laughs> I am no expert. Uh, we are joined today by Shonda Broom, who is a holistic health practitioner and the founder of Corum Bio Holistic Center. Hi, Shonda. How are you doing today? Hi, Diana. Thank you for having me. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing, I am well. I'm well because I'm talking to you. You, you always make things <laughs> better well, that's um, <laughs> so before we get started uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode we will be discussing trauma so just for that content warning uh, but we won't I don't think we'll be discussing anything explicit just referring to certain things so Shonda can you explain in layman terms how chakras work so I think the easiest way to explain it is if someone can visualize what the chakras are first and they're basically energy centers that's connected to nerves in our bodies and when you can visualize the area of each chakra because you know the most common ones are the seven ones although there are many other chakras but the most common ones I guess you can say that we see like on internet social media there are seven and when you can visualize or you can look at a photo of where they are, then you can kind of start to think of how they work, like the root chakra, you know, having to do with ground and the sacral chakra, which we're going to go more into, you know, having to do with sexual health and even as much as the, the crown chakra, which is the highest chakra, but we can see how that one being over our head, how it does affect like our thinking and different things like that. So to understand how they work, is to kind of see where they are in the body and those particular chakras depending on where they are in the body they do tend to have influence over those organs and other areas you know that they actually not physically sit on i guess you can say but energetically sit on that's so interesting so in the previous segments Dr. Dawson talks about how a certain chakra being blocked can result in things like pelvic pain, oh, pelvic pain, not pelvic pain, <laughs> pelvic pain, and um, it can disrupt sexual health. Can you explain that a bit more? Yeah, so that particular chakra is actually our sacral chakra, and it's considered the second chakra on up, because we have the root, and then we have the sacral. And I keep mentioning the root, because it's purpose of me saying that, because it's tied to this chakra, I feel. Um, <clears throat> so the sacral chakra is connected to our creativity, for one, which many people don't realize, but it's also connected to sexual health. Um... So if you experience like sexual trauma in any way, that can definitely block that chakra. It can have, because you know you can have an overactive and underactive chakra energy. It can cause either overactive or underactive. And when I say overactive, this, I don't want to say this is everyone, okay, mm -hmm. because you know, we could talk about the chakras and somebody be like, that's not the case with me. 
But I will say that if there is an issue, you know, all the things that we speak about, then possibly some chakra work is needed. So even like down to like, you know, as women when having like menstrual issues and fertility issues, but the same thing with men, like if they're experiencing fertility issues or, you know, things like that, it can definitely be tied to some type of trauma that they may have experienced in childhood that's unhealed and because it's energy and we know like how energy flows and how it can affect us in the physical like for example you know you walk into the room you're like the energy isn't right up in this room so then you feel it in your body right it's the same thing with our chakras when there is an imbalance going on that energy that is, you know, over that part of our body can start to affect us physically. So that's why we can see, you know, those past experiences, how they do affect, you know, what's going on in that particular area of our body. So that's how the pain could be tied to it. You, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's so wild. So it can show up in things like pelvic pain and what, like maybe, um, Sexual, yes, sexual, like low libido, high libido, Um, even sometimes, you know, with sexual abuse, people can be over sexualized, you know, like, you know, or hyper, hyper right. And that can stem from sexual abuse in childhood, sexual trauma, and that influences that chakra. So you, you, you feel the physical pain. You know, you have the physical issues of like, you know, fertility, the low libido or the high libido, extremely high libido, but it can, even the, the emotions or the, um, of not dealing with that trauma can eventually make these things physically manifest as well. That is so wild. When she said that originally, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's so deep. It is so deep. And I, it's like, it's one of those things that I really wish we were taught in school. Like we learned in our ABCs, yeah. let's understand the chakras. Let's understand right. our emotions and how our emotions, you know, how energy affects our emotions. And when we don't deal with it, you know, we continue to bury it under the rug or we compartmentalize it in the back of yeah. our minds you know, we may not be directly acknowledging what has happened to us, but not acknowledging that it can start to affect us physically. And we're like, well, what's going on with my body? Like, I just don't understand it. Sometimes we have to go deep down in those memories and go back and try to understand what is going on with us. So would you say that is the best way to work on chakras that have been impacted by trauma? The best way to work on chakras because there are different things they say like you know like for example um with the sacral chakra it's represented by the color orange Mm -hmm. so it's like you know eat orange foods wear orange clothes you know like you know visualize the color orange so you could do these things but of course when we're talking about emotions we have to go deeper we have to want to heal that we have to go back to that trauma and it could be extremely hard. That's why whenever I tell people, whenever you start working on your chakras, do not be afraid of therapy because what happens is when you start to acknowledge something you've buried, it can be very emotional. You know, yeah. you can start to relive that trauma. 
So it's very important. You know, you know, you can eat the food, you can wear the colors. You acknowledge, you know, the healing that needs to take place. And you start there, whether it's through therapy, whether it's through using other like holistic practices, meditation, yoga. And it's good to incorporate all these different things in this as you're trying to heal because they can provide so much support when you are, you know, bringing up this trauma and having to relive a lot of these emotions that you, you know, buried away for so long. Wow. I know. I'm, I'm going through that right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's heavy to do all of that. You don't it's, really give it enough weight. I yes. think, or I didn't. And, you know, talking to my therapist a couple of minutes and I'm bawling, you know, I'm just right. like, I, I can't even talk because, you like you said you you can tell I have some blocked chakras so <laughs> I have lots of they're probably all blocked um so how do you see plant medicine and chakras intersecting so what I love about plant medicine and I definitely think it ties to chakras is so each plant is its own living being <laughs> like us like humans so they all represent different energies and there are plants, you know, that can help with, you know, rewiring the brain. It can help with healing, even as far as like the fertility issues, because we can heal that trauma or work through that trauma emotionally, but physically, you know, what if I'm still dealing with these type of issues? So I think plant medicine is great. Helps with, me with fertility. Yeah. I definitely. Can wow. That's that. awesome. That is yeah. awesome. And, you know, especially with the sacral chakra, um, I like to tell women, and I, I keep saying women, but men need to heal too. But like my, I guess you could say my clientele, my audience is like majority of women. So I can only speak on what I know right. when it comes to women. Sure. And I always say, you know, look into a practice called Yoni Steaming. Mm. Um, it is an old ancient practice and it is beneficial with helping because you're using herbs to actually do this steam and a certain combination of herbs can help, you know, to magnify that healing and doing Yanni steams can help like, you know, with your menstrual cycle to, you know, regulate it. It can help with fertility issues. And, you know, I understood plant medicine to an extent when it came to healing, but uh, I have a friend and she's a therapist and she is, she actually has, um, like a business specifically focused on like wound healing and chakra healing. And even just through watching her and what she does, it helped, it helped me to understand even more so how beneficial plant medicine can be. Not just like we're doing yawning steams, even like with the teas we drink, you know, a, a combination of different herbs and plants, you know, that can help us with our healing as well. So I Absolutely. definitely think that there is a connection. I think that the energy that those plants represent along with the energy in our bodies that we're trying to heal can definitely work together, you know, to maximize our healing. So I, I highly would recommend, you know, looking into plant medicine, um, different plants, learning the different plants, learning what's good for our wounds as women, what's good for you know, our menstrual Or just wound holders. Yeah, our wound holders, right? People, people who have a womb. But, but I, and I say womb, but I even just, you know, with women, because, you know, I recently found this out that men do steams as well. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Men do steams as well. So plant medicine along with the chakras and not just your sacral chakra, but every chakra, you know, it's just a process of, you know, understanding chakras, understanding how it works and then understanding how plant medicine works. And you there can, is so much available too so now. Much. That, it's so like, much. Sprays yeah. and I, that's what initially I turned me on to it all was um, a spray that uh, this company Meowkami made like five years ago. I don't think she still uh, sells it, but it because it was small batch, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a blend of herbs and hemp, CBD, and um, it was a spray. It was a vagina spray, and it was amazing. And yeah. I have endometriosis, and so you know, and probably a bunch of other things that <laughs> cause <laughs> issues. And so it really like opened up my mind to what is possible. And um, I think that I think that it's so great because it makes it accessible to people who have experienced trauma, and because it's so difficult to talk to a healthcare provider about about trauma and about right. how it's impacting right. your sexual health. I mean, it's an uncomfortable situation unless you really trust that person and it, that is difficult to find. And so it's great to have people like you in the world because you're you're out there providing this information and you work with people on their chakras. So where can people find you? So they can find me on Facebook at Shonda Broom. I actually, on my YouTube, I have a seven-part series, and it's called Intro to the Seven Chakras, and in I have a video on each chakra, and I discuss it more, as well as telling you to look for signs of an overactive chakra, underactive chakra, and ways to work towards healing that chakra, you know, with the different things that you can incorporate, but I always stress you know, you really have to get to the root of your issues, you know, and that can take a lot of work in itself because we yeah. have to acknowledge, right? And sometimes right. acknowledge a lot of work is, yeah. is hard, you know, it's that's the first to avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. When my therapist resigned a few months ago, I was like, maybe I should just not do therapy. And yeah, right? I went a couple of months without it and I found out how that worked, you know, it didn't work well. <laughs> And it's like, it's like working out. I mean, you know, it's like, if you don't do it consistently every week, it's, well, after a certain age, it's, it's a real struggle. Yes, so. yes. And working on stuff <laughs> is daily work. It's daily yeah. work. And it seems like even with the chakras, it's like, once you feel like, okay, I've gotten through this, it's like peeling back the layers of like onion, I guess you could say. Because then it's something else. It's like the healing, right. it just goes so deep, you know? Yeah. Yeah, oh, and awesome. Instagram as well. The oh, yeah. holistic gypsy. <laughs> I could be found awesome. there as well. Awesome. And I also do classes, yeah. Thank you so much for you. Um, sharing your knowledge today. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Your Highness Podcast or on Twitter at Highness Podcast. Be sure to rate us on iTunes and subscribe.